You are listening to the Passion City Church podcast. To learn more about Passion City Church, including our gathering times in Atlanta and Washington, D.C., visit us online at passioncitychurch.com. Today's talk comes from Pastor Louis Giglio. So the definition, I'm thinking we all could say it together by now, uh, but we'll put it up on the screen. Why don't we just say it together? Worship is our response, both personal and corporate, to God for who he is and what he has done, expressed in and by the things we say and the way we live. For who he is, and, keyword, for what he has done. And what I want to do today is I want to dig down a little bit into these two ideas. And I want to help us practically today, and I want you to see today that there should be no end to your praise. I think oftentimes that we, we go through our list of songs or our playlist or our key phrases that we say to God, and then we sort of run out of material after a minute. But there should be no end to our worship because of these two things. Uh, For what he's done, and that is a long list of things that we have to be grateful for, but for who he is, and he's eternal. In other words, I don't know all of who he is, and you don't know all of who he is. I haven't even scratched the surface of who he is. You're like, well, we have a pretty massive revelation of who he is, and we have Jesus who's showing us who he is. I know, but, but they said about Jesus, if all the things Jesus did were written down, that the whole world wouldn't be able to contain those books. So we have this book, which is pretty amazing, but if all the things Jesus did were written in a book, the world couldn't contain all those books. Why? Because Jesus has been around since before there was time. Jesus has been around and is currently in time, and Jesus already existing outside of time. What Jesus has done, nobody knows. And so we say, oh, I know Jesus. He's wonderful and merciful and faithful, and he's holy, and he's my friend. Yes, we are just scratching the surface, though, at who God is. And so our praise is unending because of who God is. I want to just go to one text, and we'll look at this for a minute. This is Exodus 15. we got one of my favorite verses of Scripture in it, but this is one of the first songs in the Bible. We know the story about God delivering his people out of Egypt. The Pharaoh has a change of heart. Here come the chariots and the horses thundering down on the people of God. But Moses lifts up the staff, and the water parts, and the people move through on dry land. And just as the chariots arrive, the waters come back together and Egypt is wiped out. And God's people stand on the other side in victory and in confidence in who God is. And they sing a song of praise. And this is the song in Exodus 15. And then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord. So that's who he is. He's the Lord. For he is highly exalted. That's who he is. Both horse and driver, he has hurled into the sea. That's what he's done. So already in the very first lines of this song, who is he? He's the Lord. Who is he? He's highly exalted. What's he done? He hurled the horse and the rider into the sea. And the, psalmist go, the song goes on. 
The Lord is my strength and my defense. That's who he is, the Lord. He has become my salvation. That's who he is. He is my God. That's who he is. And that's why I'll praise him. He's my father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. And then again, Pharaoh, his chariots and his army, he is hurled into the sea, and they are drowned in the sea. The deep waters have covered them. Then he goes on to say in the song, the song of Moses, your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand shattered the enemy for who he is and what he's done. In the greatness of your majesty, that's who he is. You threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. He goes on and describes what happened there. And then come down to verse 11. I love this verse. Who among the gods is like you? Lord, that's who you are. Who is like you? You are majestic in holiness. That's who he is. You are awesome in glory. Oh, hello. You are working wonders. Everywhere you read in scripture, you're going to see who he is and you're going to see what he has done. And that's going to be the soil from which your response to him flows. And you can go through all the way down to the end of this passage and see how this works. Let's just come down to the end, to verse 18. The Lord reigns forever and ever. That's who he is. When Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought back the waters over them. So he, did, he wanted to finish this thing off. But the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. So then Miriam, Aaron, uh, Moses singing first. And now Miriam has a song at the end. And her song isn't super long. Your song doesn't have to have 15 verses. It just has to be an appropriate response to what's been revealed to you. And when God does a miracle right in front of you, this is a, a great song. Sing to the Lord there again, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. What a song. Can you imagine writing a song like that? Horse and driver <laughs> hurled into the sea, brought back the waters over them. And drown them all. Praise God. <laughs> the song doesn't really have a vibe for right now, does it? <laughs> but if you're standing on the other side of certain death because of chariots and horsemen, and they're now at the bottom of the sea, you're singing, horse and rider hurled into the sea and the waters covered them and they are drowned. <laughs> Praise God. For who he is and for what he's done. So let's focus for just a moment on who he is because this, this is what we've got to know if we're going to have a lifestyle of worship that's appropriate to God. For who he is. The psalmist said, taste and see that the Lord is good. And the main idea of this message today is that God is inviting you 
to that promise. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Come to me, he is saying, and see that I am good. Moses had an opportunity with God later in the book of Exodus to kind of push for something amazing. And he said to God, show me your glory. And God said, okay, come on up on the mountain. God dwelling in the heights, he said, I'll meet you on the top of the mountain. Come up, prepare yourself, get ready, and I'll meet you there. But when I meet you there, you won't be able to see me fully. So I'm going to put you in a little crack in a rock, and I'm going to put my hand over you, and I'm going to pass by you. And once I get past you, I'm going to move my hand and let you peek. But, but what you're going to see is, is my backside, because no one can see my face and live. And so he did, and he sticks Moses in this crack in a rock, and he puts his hand on him. Imagine that the hand of Yahweh is on him. And then Yahweh passes by, and somehow his hand comes off, and Moses sees just the back side of Yahweh. His goodness passes by, but then the result of it is that his glory illuminates Moses' face so that when he comes down from the mountain, the people look at him and they're like, your face is on fire. And he says, I saw the back of his glory. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And so many of us are on the cheese sticks and the mozzarella sticks. And he's saying, come up on the mountain and taste and see that the Lord is good. God Almighty is inviting you to come and know him. That is life. That's life. That is what life is. That is what eternity is. Is that invitation from God to come and know him. But it also is what worship is. Because to know him is to worship him. And if you got cheese sticks and mozzarella sticks, and that's what you've got, then your worship is going to be about the size of a frozen snack. But if you begin to mine who he is, you begin to dig down into his character, then you're going to have a revolution of worship happen in your life. And it is going to change everything about you. It's the difference to going back to the sports analogy, because I know everybody loved that rugby one so well. It's the difference between saying the Falcons are playing today. Oh, the Falcons won. That's an NFL football team, by the way. Um, <laughs> the Falcons won. That, that's so great. And then bumping into that friend of yours that is completely and utterly obsessed with the Falcons. Or we can take it back to the Braves. Or can we talk about the Braves yet? Is that, is that something we can do yet? Or we need to leave that for a little longer? I got some people around me that are obsessed with the Braves. 
I feel like a complete sports idiot when I'm around them. So I'm like, yes, we won. This was the score. We scored in the seventh inning, and it was a double, and it drove in so-and-so. And they're like, yeah, well, did you know so-and-so was born in wherever, 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 and that their mother is friends with so-and-so, and that their birthday is on February the 19th, and that for their birthday this year, they did such and such and such and such. I read all about it on an article somewhere in a deep dive into the blogs and annals of brave stories. And I mean, there are people that when, when the game is over, they go to the box score. You know what I'm talking about? And they go down into the details. And how many innings did he pitch? How many pitches did he throw? How many were balls and how many were strikes? What, what, what's his ERA? And you're like, I don't even know any of the things that you're talking about right now. I just know the Braves won. See, that's the difference. And so many people show up to gatherings like this and are like, I know Jesus won. I know that part of the story. And if you go to the main, you know, highlights of the New Testament, I know most of those. Walked on water, fed 5,000, raised a dead guy. But do you know about the box score? Do you know any more than that? Because that's what the average person got out of the headline. But God didn't invite us to the headline. He didn't say, read the headline and see that I'm good. He said, taste and see. Put it in your mouth, chew it up. Enjoy it, swallow it, digest it, process it, let it become a part of you. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Get down into the details. There are four lines I want to give us today, and then I want to drill down into some details, and then we'll be done. The first one is this, and I want to give you some practical things to do for the next 30 days as I'm encouraging you. I want to encourage you around the power of observation. In other words, to taste and see that the Lord is good requires the power of observation. In one of our core classes here in Bible study methods, they were reminding me uh, last week that they give people, an, uh, I don't know if they give people an orange or they just, they hand them an orange and they have them stare at the orange for five minutes. Is this right? And just stare at the orange. And you're like, I already know it's an orange. I've known oranges since I was a kid. I already know this is an orange, and oranges are orange. So what, what, else, what am I going to do? What am I going to do for five minutes? Do you know how long five minutes is to stare at an orange? I do it when you get home today. It's a long time to stare at an orange. But what happens is the longer you look, the more you see. Lewis is easy from way back in the day, really unfolded this, the power of observation. This guy was a Harvard professor, and he uh, was over one of the museums there, and he would have his students just look at a fish, and they'd look at it for 15 minutes and make all these observations, and he'd come in, and they'd be ready like, hey, here's all my observations, and he'd say, hey, uh, I got to run, but why don't you stay here for a few more minutes? I'll be back in an hour. Look at the fish. They'd be like, no, we already looked at the fish for 15 minutes. But in the next little chunk of time, lo and behold, a lot more observations coming out. He'd leave them in there all day with a fish, looking at the same fish. Because there's power in focused, continued observation. And there's certainly power in it in a culture 
where there's no focus or continued anything. Unless you're playing a a serious game of Fortnite. (laughs) The continued, focused observation. The power of observation. So we want to get God in view, and we want to stay there. We don't want to rush away and go, oh, I see, you're faithful. No, we want to We want to look into his faithfulness. We want to just take some time with his faithfulness. We don't want to rush away from that faithfulness. The second thing is the power of specific praise. In other words, not just saying, God, I praise you, but why do I praise you? It's like complimenting your spouse or your girlfriend, your friend or your coworker. And it's one thing to say, hey, good job. But it's another thing to say, when you did X, it was fantastic. And the specific way that you did it is really amazing. And there are not many people like that. And I just want to say, well done on that specific thing that you did and the specific way that you did it. And this is what our worship can be like. Not just praise you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God in the heavens. Holy, holy, holy. These are all true phrases, but to specifically praise God. For me, for a long, long time, it has helped me to think about the attributes of God. The box score of God is his character. It's his names. It's his attributes. It's his facets. It's holding the orange and not moving away too fast. It's turning the orange around. 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 It's looking again. And this is the way I want to approach an invitation like taste and see that the Lord is good. I don't want to go, got it. I want to look. I want to look around. I want to turn him around. I want to let him turn me around. I want him to turn around so that I can see more of him. I know even his backside has got some kind of powerful attribute. I want to see all of it. I want to see on the top and on the bottom and on the inside and on the outside. I want to see all the different layers and all the different facets and all the little nooks and all the crannies of the greatness of God. His attributes. So let's start with A. Let's just start with A. This is the way you start with the attributes of God. So I'll give you a moment. Write them down. Someone actually has a pen. Just write down the attributes of God with A. If you got your phone, just, just write them down real quick. All the attributes of God start with A. Just real quickly. Just knock them out. If you're a slow typer like me, I'm sorry this is not for you. I'd be over there with my one finger. The attributes of God, the layers. What do you got so far? Almighty. Who got, who's got Almighty? Everybody now. <laughs> what, what, what's, who's got something else? 515, what you got? Able. Awesome. awesome. Got to have awesome in there. All the Brits in the house, they love Americans because everything's awesome. <laughs> but he's awesome. How do you know he's awesome? Is that just something you're going to say? No, because one of my favorite texts in Scripture 
says, who, is, who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you? Majestic in holiness, awesome in glory. What else you got? Available. Trillis, feel free. That's my first one. Alpha and Omega. Say it with me. Alpha and Omega. Say it again. Alpha and Omega. Where do we get that from? From the Greek alphabet. First letter Alpha, last letter Omega. From the beginning to the end. That's who you are. You're the first and you're the last. That's who you are. You're the Alpha and the Omega. So I might be in the story, but I didn't start the story. I might be trying to figure out life, but I'm not the one who's going to end life. It didn't start with me. It doesn't end with me. I'm not at the beginning, and I'm with him in the end. But he, he is the one who opens this thing and the one that closes this thing. He is the Alpha and Omega. I'll give you a few if you have something to write with, or you can take a picture of these when they come by. Just hold on for a second. We're going to be here for a few minutes before we close. He is the Alpha and Omega. Revelation twenty two thirteen. I am the Alpha and the Omega. So I'm not making this up about him. He told me that's who he is. The first and the last, the beginning and the end. Revelation 1, 8. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come. The Almighty. There we get another A. Bonus A. Thus says the Lord God, Isaiah 44, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God, Isaiah 44, 6. My second A is that he's almighty. We could use the word in Hebrew, El Shaddai, or the all-powerful one, the almighty one. Genesis 17, this is... Early in the story of Scripture, God calling Abraham, I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you, and I'll multiply you exceedingly. Psalm 91, 1, what a beautiful text. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High, so you can save that one for your M's a little bit later, will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And they were calling to one another in Isaiah 6, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. So, one of the facets is that he's the all-powerful one and he's almighty. And I just want to stop there for a minute. And I want to dwell on, chew on, think about, meditate on the fact that my God is the all-powerful one. And that I can rest, hello, in the shadow of the Almighty. That his all-powerfulness casts a shadow on my circumstance and I can get up under that shadow and go, El Shaddai, 
is my God. Praise him. Praise you. Praise you, almighty God. I am not all-powerful, but I'm under the shadow of the one who is. Praise him. And you come into the house of God, you're like, what do you got to praise God for today? I'm praising God today because he's almighty. I need to be under the shadow of almighty. I'll speed up a little bit because I'm giving you 30 days worth. We're on day two. <laughs> He's awesome. Thank you. Someone said that. We've already got the text. Exodus 15, 11, Psalm 47, 2. For the Lord most high is awesome. <laughs> he is a great king over all the earth. He's available. The Lord is near to all who call on him. To all who call on him. In truth, Psalm 145, 18. For I am the Lord your God. This has been one of my key texts for this season. Who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. He is always Jesus Christ, Hebrews 13, 8, is the same yesterday and today and forever. And these are Jesus' words at the end of the Gospels, Matthew 28. He says, and surely I am with you, say it with me, always to the very end of the age. He's attentive. There's an A layer. Anybody get attentive? Great. <laughs> For the eyes of the Lord, this is 1 Peter 3.12, are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. Then you will call on me, Jeremiah, and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are numbered so don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. He is the architect. You drive up and you see a building and you're like, man, some crazy guy or lady did something amazing right there. You know there is an architect behind that beautiful design. And when you look around in this universe, you understand Genesis 1-1, that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But listen to Hebrews 11, 9 and 10, talking about Abraham. By faith, he, Abraham, stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, co-heirs of the same promise. For he, Abraham, was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Man, I'm telling you, you just can just park on architect and stay there for a month. You can praise him for a whole month for being an architect. That he is constantly designing, constantly at the drafting board, constantly uh, creating, constantly imagining, and then constantly bringing to life all manner of beautiful and intricate things. And he is the architect of you. 
And he's the architect of your life and your plans and your future and your dreams and everything that is to come. God is architecting all of it right now. Praise him. He is a great architect. The great architect. Are we doing okay? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven days, seven layers, seven facets, seven things to stare at, seven things to praise him for, seven scriptures to root in, seven days worth of getting to know God. And the next time you're praising him and you go through faithful and loving and holy and grace and merciful, you say, oh yeah, and I'm throwing in architect from here on out. He's the I am. You can put it under the I's or the A's. In Hebrew, it really goes under the A's. It's just am. God said to Moses, I am who I am. Jesus said before Abraham was, I am. He's able. To him, Jude 1, who is able to keep you from stumbling. Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. He is alive. I love Jesus speaking to John in the Revelation chapter 1 when John falls at his feet like a dead man and he puts his hand on him and he says, "Um, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. That's the alpha and the omega. I am the living one. Put that under the L's for later. I was dead and now look, I am alive. So we, we get both I am and alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys to death and Hades. But the Lord is the true God, Jeremiah 10.10. He is the living God, the eternal King. He is our assurance or assuring. You can say it either way you want to. He's assuring this God of ours. Let us draw near with a true heart. Hebrews 10, in full assurance of faith. And I am sure of this. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. He is Adonai. This is one of the names or titles of God. It's a a Hebrew word used for God or title for God when they didn't want to use the word Yahweh, which they held in such high esteem. Adonai. It would be the word that we see. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, Isaiah 25. That word is Adonai. O Lord, this is Psalm 8, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. O Lord, Yahweh, our Lord, Adonai. He is the amen to the angel of the church and Laodicea right. These are the words of the amen, capital, the faithful and true witness. He's the anointed one. The spirit of the Lord is on me, Jesus said in Luke 4, for he has anointed me. He's the ancient of days. This title of God, name of God, only appears in the book of Daniel. And it's just referencing again the eternality of God. As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the ancient of days, all caps, took his Seat. He's the author. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith.
He's abundant. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they might have it abundantly. And God is able to bless you abundantly, 2 Corinthians 9. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory. He's affectionate. Isaiah 40, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Long ago, the Lord said to Israel, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love, with unfailing love. I have drawn you to myself. He's absolute. He's admirable. He is approachable. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. He is amazing. He is accurate. Jesus said, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. He is abiding. That means he's never going anywhere. But the Lord, Psalm 9-7, abides forever. He has established his throne for judgment. He's astronomical. Oh, Lord God, it is you who made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. He is august. Not august, but august. Don't you love that word, by the way? Eminent, noble, praiseworthy, of high standing, august, or august. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. He's august. He's ageless before the mountains were brought forth and thou dost form the earth and the world. This is from... Um, a literal translation, even from age to age, thou art God. He's amaranthine. I just, how'd you, where'd you find all these? Well, I started with all the ones I knew. Then I searched names of God and I got all the ones that I didn't remember. And then I just went to uh, adjectives that start with A that are positive. And then I went to nouns that start with A. That's where I found anchor, because I'd forgotten anchor. And it's not an adjective, but it is a noun. And when I got to the noun list, I found anchor, and I went, ah, I forgot anchor. He is an anchor. He is the anchor. And when I was looking at the adjectives, I found amaranthine or amaranthine. You can pronounce it either way you'd like, apparently. Never heard of this word before. Ever? Anyone? I know we got some English lit people in here. Amaranthine. Amaranthine. Going once, going twice, <laughs> three times. And I was like, what in the world does that word mean? And it means eternal beauty. 
I said, it's going on the list. For Mount Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines in glorious radiance. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God gives it light. And the Lamb is its lamp. He is amaranthine. He is eternal beauty. He is the anchor and he is authority. All authority in heaven and on earth, Jesus said, has been given to me. I want to taste and I want to see that the Lord is good, Alpha and Omega, almighty, awesome, available, always, attentive architect. I am able, alive, assuring, assurance, Adonai, amen, anointed one, ancient of days, author, abundant, affectionate, absolute, admirable, approachable, amazing, accurate, abiding, astronomical, august, ageless, amaranthine, anchor, authority. This is my God and I will praise him. I will praise him and I don't want to just praise him. I want to give him specific praise for who he is. And when that happens, I'll close. It reshapes the narrative. Because whatever you've been saying about, whatever you've been talking about, about whatever you've been worried about, about whatever you've been afraid of, about whatever's stressing you out, about whatever you can't solve, you can change the narrative by saying, today I'm observing that he is almighty and an almighty architect. And today I got a new story. I can't see it, but my God's building it. I don't know how it's going to come up out of the ground, but my God is building it. My God is at the drafting table right now. My God is doing the CAD drawings as we speak. And I have a new narrative. And lastly, it's the power of personal transformation. I'm now becoming an abiding person with an astronomical sized faith whose character is becoming more and more august because I'm realizing that I'm a part of a story that doesn't wear out. So I want to encourage you for the next 30 days, but certainly for the next 14, and we're going to help you for the next 14 to focus on one attribute it starts with an A for the whole day. Dig into the scriptures, root yourself in the word of God, and then just praise God. This is your personal worship. See, we're not here corporately doing this. This is you in the closet, you in the car. This is you in uh, the laundry room. This is you in the boardroom. This is you in the classroom. This is you wherever you are just saying, God, today I'm going to focus on one of these layers and I'm just going to exercise the power of observation. And if you text daily to 33864 for 14 days, we're going to send you a prompt every single day. We're going to send you an attribute every day and it's going to get you on your way. And I want to encourage you to get a journal, a little pocket-sized one, something small, a pen, a pencil. 
You can do it on your phone, but there's something about holding something in your hand that you write with and writing at the top of that little page on today, whichever one of those layers it is that you are ageless, that you are able, that you are available, that you are approachable. And as you think about it through the day, just write down your praise to him. God, I praise you today. And I thank you today that in this situation, you are making yourself available to this little teeny tiny thing in the universe, but this thing that is so important to me. And you are making yourself available to this little finite human. Praise you, God. How can Yahweh fit into a Honda Accord? Praise you, God. Why are you so happy? God's in my Honda. (laughs) Yahweh is in the Honda. Praise him. I'm just going to honk the horn and give him some foolish glory. Nobody's in front of me right now. I'm just going to give him a few honks of foolish glory. I'm going to turn the windshield wipers on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just give him a little foolish glory in here right now. I'm going to do a car dance for God. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at passioncitychurch.com or download the Passion Movement app. And again, thanks for listening to the Passion City Church Podcast.